The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Our therapist panel joins me. We've got two Sandras on uh, tonight. We're going to talk about this. First of all, were you diagnosed with COVID or do you know anybody who has? And besides the, the, the physical toll it took, did it take an emotional toll on you? Did you experience stigma, judgment, isolation? Those are some of the Uh, issues that we want to talk about and Sandra Lacks will be sharing her experiences with COVID as well and we'll talk about how we can um, best support those around us as well but first calling's not the only way to connect the inbox is easy and always open at 514-800 all right, you can send me your emails as well, your questions by email to laurie at drlaurie.com. I received an email. It was extremely touching, and I want to share it with you, and I hope this will breed compassion. You know, we often talk about compassion on this show and understanding and such. So I want to share this story from a gentleman. Lori, I'm a 20-year-old guy going to school with a difference. I am what we call a little person or what others call a midget. I was a virgin up until last night. I hired a prostitute and it went far beyond a sexual experience. I told her I was a virgin and you can see why. It is impossible to get a girlfriend when you are like me. She sat there and listened to me and she could tell I was nervous and embarrassed and I spoke of my personal life a little being little I asked her do you know how tall I am her answer took me to tears I was not even expecting an answer she said to me I was tall enough to touch the ground and tall enough to reach the sky just like anyone else she went on about a few other things that changed how I see myself She also told me it will not be as easy as other men to find someone who will love me, but I will find someone, and when I do, you will have someone that stands out from all others. We did have sex, and it was better than I fantasized, and she even made me feel good about the condom being too big. She showed and gave me tips on pleasing a woman, how to touch, where to touch, and when. I spent over two hours with her, and she changed my life. I've been listening to passion now and then for about a year. I envied those with problems with their partners. They have no idea how good they actually have it compared to people like myself. You are always able to help so many and even myself at times. I woke up this morning a different person. She told me for a virgin I was pretty darn good and I do believe she meant it. She said men hire prostitutes for many reasons and that I never need to hire a prostitute again. Take my time and someone will come into my life if I stop hiding. I will never see her again, but she told me more about myself than I knew about myself. I'm going on dating sites for the first time. It may not be easy, but I'm sure I will find someone who sees me for who I am. And like she said, she will see you for how tall you are, not how short you are. Even writing this is emotional. You have given me a lot of understanding about love and relationships. She gave me confidence I never had. If this doesn't touch your heart, I don't know would. Um, One of the most touching, touching emails I think I've ever received from someone um, struggling. 
514-800 if you have uh, any thoughts or questions you would like to share. Texter writes, good for him. Kudos to the woman who straightened him out. And it goes to show you also, and I hear this from other sex workers too, that oftentimes men go not just for the sex, but for the the listening and for somebody somebody who will hear them and not judge them exactly. Okay. Um, I am a dual citizen living in Vermont, born, and my ex-husband is a Canadian, and we lived in Kirkland for eight years. We have two children, one born in Canada, the other in the U.S. Both are bilingual because my ex is French-Canadian. He is working in New York City, and we have been talking for some time about the state of affairs here. We have both agreed that regardless who wins the election, myself and our kids will be better off in Canada. How many other Americans do you think are thinking the same way? Uh, His sister is a a real estate agent and has been asked to find us a home. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. I've been listening to your show for the last two years, and it has been nothing short of helpful in my sex life and my mental health. We are having an amicable but long divorce process, and this will be year three. I am seeing someone but never brought him home not to give kids the wrong idea. I told him a few weeks ago I'm considering moving to Canada and told him why. He was upset and called me un-American and non-patriotic when I first thought of the idea about six months ago. He was willing to come. I guess he thought it was just one of those silly things that I would never do. I've decided to stay single until my kids are at least 17. Your Premier Legault and your Prime Minister was a big part of my decision process. You have given me self-confidence and courage. You have made me understand myself better, both body and mind. Lastly, I'm a pretty horny woman, and I think Montreal people are more horny than Vermonters, so I should fit in. So I should fit right in uh, sexually. Sometime in the early months of 2021, the population of Canada will increase by three. <laughs> Ah, that one gave me a little bit of a laugh. Texter writes in, Dr. Roy, that little person story put the passion in your compassion. Take care. Uh, and I, that expression uh, that it takes compassion to have passion, I think is something that is so true. People who have a lot of compassion are more passionate people. So think about that uh, next time you, you want a little more passion in your life. Be compassionate. Question. I wanted to know how to make my fiance more intimate with me. She says that she wants to have sex, but she is scared about the fact that we aren't married yet and the possibility of getting pregnant, even though she takes birth control because of an irregular period. And I would use a condom as well. Sometimes I crave intimacy, not just sex, but hugging, cuddling her, telling me she loves me. She has a high-stress job, so maybe that is the cause, but I wanted to know if I can do anything to help. I know she loves me. I just want her to express it to me. This came to me by email to lori at drlaurie.com. So your partner may be afraid maybe to be overly affectionate with you for fear that maybe this is going to give you the idea that she wants sex or maybe that you'll take it as a sign to, uh, to get her to have sex. If that's not the case, I think it's really important for you to talk to her openly just about your needs for the closeness, the connection, the affection aside from the sex. So for some Some women and some men, fear of pregnancy or anxiety about having sex, sometimes before marriage, if you were raised uh, a certain, you know, that way, or if that means a lot to you, may be uh, quite a factor uh, for your partner. So 
listen, if this continues to be an issue, you need to try and work it through before marriage. Marriage doesn't make things go away. Just want to say. So maybe try some pre-marriage counseling where you can address all the issues beforehand. And just to help you at least with the sexual communication, which is really important and which is frankly the basis of any good sexual relationship is having good sexual uh, communication. A couple of texts about uh, the fellow who wrote in. Uh, the young fellow who is a small person should, should look up Brad Williams on YouTube. Very successful stand-up comedian and married to a gorgeous woman too. Brad is also a little person and doesn't let anything get in his way. And he's funny as hell too. There is hope. Thank you for that. That's from Rick. Thank you. Uh, that little man stands taller than most, someone else wrote, and I couldn't agree with you more. Coming up, our therapist panel joins me once a month. We talk about your mental health, everybody's mental health, more generally speaking, rather than uh, sexuality. So I bring in some of my colleagues, and tonight we are going to address uh, some of the toll that COVID, the emotional toll that COVID has taken on uh, many people, those who have it, those who have supported, those who've had it, uh, and dealing with uh, our anxiety. So if there's anything you want to share please do it uh, at 514-800. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. It is our therapist panel tonight uh, on the program, and I we have two Sandras tonight, two esteemed uh, colleagues. Uh, Sandra Lacks is a, a trauma therapist and an addictions therapist. Sandra Reich is a psychotherapist and the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. Welcome both Sandras. I'm going to have to call you Lacks and, and Reich for... Uh, <laughs> For the rest of this show, how's that? Sounds good. All right. Lax, are you there? I am I am here. As long as you call me, I'm happy. Okay, good. As long as I call you, that's right. Uh, so we want I wanted to one of the things that I want to talk about was the emotional toll that COVID could take on somebody. And we, Sandra and I talked uh, for quite some time, and Sandra was recounting to me her experiences with getting COVID. And uh, as a therapist and as somebody who works with trauma, this really um, this really got you at, at some level. And then we got to talking about other, how other people might be experiencing this. So tell me what was the like moment that you said, oh my goodness, like this is what, you know, you thought, oh, I'll just get a little sick maybe and that's it. But, you you know, maybe you didn't think about all the rest. What happened? Yeah. So I, uh, in collaboration with my brother and sister-in-law who live in, uh, on Vancouver Island, we made a plan that I would fly out there wearing a hazmat suit, uh, a mask, a shield, seven pairs of gloves and very thick suits. And, uh, and so I took all the precautions on the plane that you can possibly didn't move, didn't eat, didn't remove my mask once, nothing. And uh, about five days in, I lost my sense of smell and taste. And I was 
check. I had been staying with them for a few days. And so I immediately just went into, you know, crisis mode and, and, uh, checked into a hotel down the road and, uh, and got a lot of great support from the BC, uh, I think it's called BC Communicable Disease Public Health Support Program. So okay. they call every day. And uh, once I was checked in, I went to go get a test the next day. Um, I made sure to check into a hotel that had an outside entrance. So no law, no going through lobbies or up elevators, stairs and outside. So there was no risk to anyone else um, or very low risk, uh, but no risk really. And, uh, and so I wasn't sick at all. The only symptoms I had was loss of smell and taste. And, uh, and when you have COVID, whether it's in Toronto, I'm in based in Toronto, so whether it's based in Toronto or based in BC, you're assigned a nurse that contacts you pretty much every day to check in on how you're doing. Um, and, uh, what I was finding over time is that, um, people that I love and know were asking lots of questions that I couldn't answer, but they had all heard that I had got COVID, which was, you know, uh, somewhat of a violation of confident, private health confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was getting almost nonstop calls about how did I get it? How did I think I got it? I mean, I don't know the answers to this. You know, I'm a, I follow all the COVID protocols and, and you could have gotten anywhere. My sister-in-law happens to be a nurse at the uh, uh, hospital in Tofino, and she does COVID testing. And you, you, who knows who spread it to who? And it actually right. doesn't even matter. Right. So um, it became very difficult to just focus on myself and my own care and making sure I had enough groceries that were delivered and food that was delivered. The hotel wanted to kick me out, but then they decided that they wouldn't. I mean, there were so many moving parts. I didn't, mean, Sandra, I, didn't they refuse to like give you toilet paper? Yes. So I was staying at, at quite a lovely hotel because the Tofino was a, a little town on Vancouver Island. Um, they were so busy because they hadn't had really cases of COVID. They had managed to keep it at bay. And so uh, I, I guess people just started taking over the city and coming in. And then, you know, as people came in, more cases um, grew, but, uh, so the only hotel was, I mean, it was a luxury $400 a night hotel that I wasn't planning on mm-hmm. spending money on like that. Um, but I, I called down cause they have a no COVID policy, which I only found out five days into my stay. So I went to restore integrity and tell them, Hey, I was diagnosed with COVID a few days into my stay here. I didn't realize I had to notify you. BC health told me not to notify you at, for the risk of being, you know, they have to know that if, it, yeah, if I was kicked out, where would I go? Like, right. And, you know, sleep in my car. That doesn't, that's not very healthy or, or be around other people. That's not what they want. So, um, so I told them to restore integrity and uh, they said, we'll not be providing you any services. And I said, well, I don't need anything. I just, you know, I'm running out of toilet paper and I don't, I don't have a meal for, you know, lunch today before I can order the uh, five o'clock delivery service. And they said, no, we will not be providing you services. So I had to ration toilet paper and Kleenex, <laughs> which I had half a roll of in this gorgeous luxury. That's property. insane. It's that, insane. That's insane Lori, that they couldn't put toilet paper outside, outside your door. door. So you were yeah. treated like a pariah is what you're saying. I, I felt like I was a leper. 
And I, you know me, I'm trained in trauma treatment. I'm trained in shame resiliency. I'm trained in um, being able to sort of Teflon the, you know, like things that are challenging, you know, uh-huh. from people that I don't know or don't care about. And, uh, and it, I couldn't imagine. And the reason that I really wanted to share this story is for the people who have it, who feel isolated and, uh, and don't know that it's quite common. So my, my nurse, Kelly, shout out to Kelly, cause she was a, she was a nurse, she was a therapist, she was everything because then, you know, what started happening was people started blaming me for bringing COVID to the town oh, gosh. or, uh, you know, possibly spreading it to my family members, including my family members were blaming me. I mean, it was a joint decision. We knew the risk to go out. You know, there was a risk that we Oh, and I, and, I, and I saw how you went into the airport. You literally <laughs> had on a hazmat suit, literally. I, I'm not, that, that's no exaggeration and seven pairs of gloves and a mask and a visor and the only thing I wasn't wearing was a shower cap so and I isolated about a week for a week and a half beforehand so I I mean I couldn't I couldn't have done anything more to protect myself so it just happened that I got it and I and I was thinking so much you know what came to mind was people who were diagnosed with you know HIV and AIDS in the 80s and died alone like you know Uh, my brother particularly he was so upset by the fact that I got COVID and the risk to his family that he didn't call me for five days in the midst of my quarantine because he had quote-unquote some big emotions and I'm just like I could have had so people were mad at you people were mad at you and upset and they all had opinions of what I should do that were not always in line with what BC public health was saying you know there are so when you have COVID, you walk through a list of people you've been in contact with and and some people you tell because you've spent a dinner with them and some people you aren't meant to tell because you walked by them on a street and you were wearing a mask and gloves. And, and so they're trying to balance this sort of mask hysteria with the reality of, of who, who could it have more likely been spread to right and I and I just want to point out for our listeners as as people are listening to this story like Sandra Lax is uh you know followed all protocols did not attend any gatherings I mean you you did none of that you didn't go to restaurants you didn't go anywhere so nowhere uh you know again it's like I think that the uh the the impulse to to you know to blame or to to say well did you get together with people well wh- where were you you know or or yeah. we, you just don't you don't think about that like until I spoke to you I hadn't thought about that element and I'm just interested from Sandra Reish our other uh, therapist here on our therapist panel when you hear this and Sandra's been like she's the one who my, one of my friends that has been the most isolated keeping everybody at home. Uh, homeschooling, doing everything from home. So uh, what do you think? What do you make of that? Like, could you imagine if you caught it being as careful as you are? Well, I, you know, I mean, this story really exemplifies and it's not a newsflash, but it definitely can happen no matter how careful you are. I mean, we're back to the fact that control is an illusion. I mean, everything I'm hearing your story, Sandra, you know, flashes everything that we learn about control. Um, again, that external control is not ours, number one, and that the reason people, I think, get like that is we want to feel there's a locus of control. So we're trying to blame someone to try to feel like to make sense of things. 
And that's one of the big problems with this pandemic is there's a lot that we cannot make sense of. So, I mean, it's it's quite the story. And um, to hear that they wouldn't even leave you toilet paper outside your room, it's I'm astonished. And uh, mm-hmm. flabbergasted is what's the word that comes to mind. Right. But you can see behind all of that, yeah. uh, I mean, the way they were talking to her and saying, we will not provide you with anything, not no food, no services, no no clean towels, uh, you know, none of that. So, okay, granted, you were, you were in luxury, more or less, like it's not, you know, but, but when you have to ration toilet paper, that, that becomes a whole other level for me uh, to think of that. So uh, this is our therapist panel tonight. Sandra Lacks is a trauma therapist and an addictions therapist. She went through her own COVID uh, experience and is sharing with us the emotional toll that it took. And if you've experienced stigma, judgment, isolation because of it, we'd love to hear from you. We also want to talk about the high anxiety and the confusion and all of this and the mental health challenges that are as a result of this once a month that's what we focus on mental health and let me tell you covid has quite the, has had quite the impact on many people's mental health sandra lax and sandra reesh both here tonight uh, right now let's turn it over to our cjd 800 newsroom the following program contains mature subject matter listener discretion is advised from the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight, it's our therapist panel on the program. We have Sandra Reich, who's a psychotherapist and the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, and Sandra Lacks, who is a trauma therapist out of Toronto. And uh, she was diagnosed with COVID. The only symptoms she had was a loss of uh, taste and smell. Did you ever get that back? Yeah, I got it in a really short time. I, I think it was, I had it for two to three days without taste and smell. And then by the fourth day, it was about 30% back. And the fifth day was fully restored, Okay, which I heard, it, I think it's unusual. I, I know people who have had it for months, they, they lose their smell of taste for right, a while. Right. Uh, so we're talking about Sandra's experience. Why? Because as a therapist, she started thinking about, well, her own experience uh, being treated um like a leper basically where she uh, where she was uh, so we uh, we're talking about the stigma the judgment and the isolation really uh, that's a lot of people uh, probably face so I'd love to hear from some of our listeners if you've experienced anything and you want to share with us uh, please one for 800 um, I also want to talk about um, how to support someone someone uh, who has a, you know who contracted the uh, the virus, especially what not because you learned yeah. that right what not what you didn't want to hear from people. Yeah, I started writing it down because so many people were saying the things that were you know for lack of a better word pissing me off. So um, is that clinical speak, Lori? <laughs> pissing me off? Can we say that? <laughs> You've uh, said it, so, so there you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know the the most common question I. How did you get it? And I don't know. I mean, how do you know when you're following all the protocols? How do you know how you got it? You know, and, and, you know, it's not, I could have gotten it from my sister-in-law who does COVID tests at the hospital. You know, I mean, it, I could have gotten it from the plane. I could, I I have no idea. So it's like, it's a question that no one can really particularly answer. I mean, some people might be able to locate, but most people can't. 
So I, I would avoid asking, uh, you know, where did you get it? Um, the other thing I would really avoid doing is inserting, you know, your unsolicited medical advice. If you are an accountant or a lawyer, oh, everybody's or, uh, an infectious disease. Yeah, everybody's one. Infectious, infectious disease specialist. That's I right. know. Isn't that amazing how people just got their right? So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, if you are not a communicable disease specialist, I would, Shut you up. know, just, yeah, it really just um, ask perhaps what the communicable disease specialists are recommending so that you're aware of what your loved one is going through. I mean, the, the amount of calls I got while I also checking in with both P BC Public Health and York Region Public Health, which is an area of, uh, of Greater Toronto. Um, so I was on the phone with them for a good part of the day. I had to fill out this survey. I had to make sure that I wasn't, you know, like having any issues breathing or we had strokes in my family. So it's not, you know, it's things I had to work look out for. And so... Um, there's a lot going on. And so to answer other people's questions, uh, it wasn't helpful. You know, I, I often think about, uh, this, um, piece of information that my friend Darcy, uh, told me a while back when I was something and she said, you know, when someone has a death and, you know, with a loved one, you don't ask the loved one to take care of you. You take care, you kind of like the outside circle is supposed to support the inside circle. So right. the nuclear family first and then the family and then the family and friends and all of that. So it really became like I was having to like manage other people's fears. And I can't tell you the amount of people that I hadn't seen for three weeks, but they're like, I went and got a COVID test. And I'm like, I didn't think that you had to get, you know, like it mm -hmm. just, it was, it was, you know, and I'm not trying to minimize, you know, the, the fear that people feel. Um, although, you know, the fact that I was the one diagnosed with COVID and uh, um, most people were, you know, running out and getting their own COVID tests and then reporting to me about the negative results. It just, it, it seemed like there was a lack of empathy, which is really also what I want to talk right. about. So just, uh, yeah. Sandra uh, Lacks, somebody wants to know, was it essential to take that trip? Was it not recommended not okay. to travel outside regions? And I'm sure that's a judgment right there, right? You feel that yep. as a judgment? That's absolutely a judgment. So um, it was a non-essential trip. And the reason that I did it was because it had been about over six or seven to eight months since I had seen my niece and nephew. And I was worried that the second wave, all planes would be grounded. And there was interprovincial travel from Ontario to BC that was allowed. Right. Um, and my immune system is pretty strong. Um, and so are the immune systems of my family members who are there. So um, it was a calculated risk. Um, but the risk of perhaps going another year without seeing them was something that we all agreed was uh, worth the worth the risk. I mean, right. we decided as a family. We really did decide as a family. And you were and, and you uh, were prepared to stay there anyway. If if they shut everything yeah. down, you oh, would yeah. have stayed there anyhow. So it didn't matter. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Yeah, I have, okay. I, I'm able to stay there. And so, um, so it was. It, you know, we did what we did, and then you know sometimes I. I you know, we need to put mental health, which is like not seeing my niece and nephew for a very long time and my brother over, you know, the risk 
risk of physical health, especially when our immune systems aren't compromised at all. So, uh, we're, yeah. This is our therapist panel. Sandra Lax is a trauma therapist and addiction therapist out of Toronto. Sandra Reich is a psychotherapist and clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. Uh, Reich, there's a text here that I want to ask you. i sorry, I have to call them by their last name. Uh, there is a breaking point for humans under these conditions. Are we close to that point or have we reached it? Is it not better to be proactive rather than reactive how much more can an average person take that's a good question because people have been resilient over far worse things than a pandemic yeah i would have to say that people have survived worse things and i i think that that's where we're always surprised to find out how resilient we are um you know when people say like i don't know how you got through that that's a very common thing to say when people go through difficult things and the truth is that people get through things because they have to get through things Like if you're faced with a difficult situation like we all are right now, we sort of have no choice and it's challenging and there's day to day challenges, but we can with good coping strategies, we can do it. And even this talk about judgment, you know, judgment, judgment hurts you as much as it hurts the other person. It weakens you. So we want to try to be careful about these kinds of things. There are definitely things we can do to keep ourselves strong. Right. And I think about when, when, when we talk about how, how you get through it and what the breaking point is. I think about wars. I think yeah. about, fa- and even today in certain parts of, of the world, families who live under these conditions or extreme Constantly. poverty conditions, or there are so many far worse conditions we could be living in. Most of us are, are cushy in our, our, our homes, let's say. Yeah. Yes, it's true. I'm not, and I don't, I don't mean to minimize no, the struggle so bad, because it it's a be struggle, uh, yeah. but, but there are, there have been the humans are resilient by nature uh, and we have to remember that our therapist panel tonight on the program if you would like to uh, share uh, how you're feeling uh, about your mental health send us a text at 514-800 coming up we'll talk about uh, empathy the practice of empathy compassion what does that look like why do we need it so desperately especially in these times that's coming up passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 we've got our therapist panel on the program tonight sandra lax is with us from toronto she is a trauma therapist sandra reish is here from montreal she is the clinical director of the montreal center for anxiety and depression so we've been talking a lot about uh covid and i think every month and we have our therapist panel on it is the topic du jour because it is affecting our mental health. And uh, obviously, we focus on your mental health uh, once uh, once a month for at the very least, right? Uh, so Sandra Lax uh, talked to us about her own experiences with the stigma and the judgment after having contracted the virus. She's all fine now, so it's all good. Uh, but it brought us to talking about all of this and the importance... And we talk about this on the show a lot, you know, the, the importance of kindness, compassion, empathy, and some people need a little help in that uh, department. So, uh, Lax, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll add one quick thing is that, you know, when I uh, shared a Facebook post about my experience with COVID, I got a number of messages and phone calls from people who had it, um, but hadn't told a soul. 
or hadn't told anyone but their partner. And right. it was so people are hiding in silence when they are experiencing it. I don't think that we need to do that. We haven't done anything to to cause that. So um, I really hope that this show makes an impact and that anyone who has it will feel less alone in knowing that this is, for some reason, the experience that people are going through. So the, the counter practices to those sort of invasive, judgy, shame-filled questions is empathy. Empathy is always the antidote to shame. Um, and so empathy is a practice. So people who think some people have more empathy than others, um, it's, it's very likely because they've practiced empathy. And empathy by, by Brene Brown and Teresa Wiseman is made up of uh, three practices. The first is self-kindness. Mm-hmm. So speaking to yourself like someone you love. If you're practicing self-compassion with, or if you're practicing compassion with someone else, it is, it is also, uh, it's staying out of judgment is the first thing. Yeah. Um, it, and uh, the second thing really is about um, trying to really figure out what that person might be going through. So, um, Lori, if you, if you were going through something, I might say that that might make you. I, I can imagine. I'm telling myself that that would make you really sad, or you that you might be feeling alone right now. And and you may say, Oh no, I'm not feeling alone. I'm feeling like really, really pissed off right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we can connect. And you can let me know what's going on with you, rather than me projecting all these things on you or judging you for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing is um, common humanity. So recognizing that if you contract COVID or someone you love has COVID, like you're not alone, this is not your fault. And, uh, and people go through this. We're in a global pandemic. It's called a global pandemic for a reason and not just, you know, a seasonal flu. Right. Um, and then the last thing is mindfulness is really, really being aware of your approach to someone who might be vulnerable or delicate at the time. Right. And, and what, yeah, go ahead. I just want to share, uh, from, uh, one of our listeners, uh, that I think highlights what you said. Uh, thanks for highlighting empathy. I can't think of anything more important for humans. I experienced significant trauma as a child. I was raised by parents with mental illness and then I was serially mm. abandoned. My extended mm. family sometimes put a roof over my head, but had no idea how to care for a child emotionally. I felt ignored and internalized everything and ended up feeling worthless for decades. I know recovering, uh-huh. I'm now recovering because I'm getting in touch with who I really am uh, beyond that programming, empathy for myself is central to uh, my healing process. Uh, so that uh, that really brings that home. Uh, another texter says, as an isolated senior with no family, what do I say to people from households with at least some family or loved ones who call me to complain about weeks without hugs from some of their many family members? I don't have any period and won't, and won't be getting any pandemic or not. I'm not the person they should be whining to while telling me to keep a stiff upper lip. Sandra Reich, what do you, what do you think of that? Like moaning to somebody like that shows a lack of empathy of saying, Hey, you're alone. Um, and not feeling for the other person's isolation. Yeah. Well, I think that's where we have to be careful is sometimes when we're struggling, um, it's one of the, um, insidious nature of depression even is we tend to get very caught up in ourselves and one of the antidotes to that is to be able to think beyond ourselves so whatever we're suffering other people are suffering as much or different versions of it 
it's helpful to get out of yourself. It's one of the challenges is because we're home alone. Often we're quite isolated. We can get very caught in our own story. And that just really sinks us further and further down. Hmm. So what would you like to add to uh, the practice of uh, empathy and, and compassion, which is we all need a good dose of that right now. We all need to know how to do this. Well, again, I think that these, the opposite, you know, and when we're sitting in judgment and trying to, you know, blame Sandra for what happened to her, blame anyone for that, I want really all of us to remember, and that includes me too, is that that weakens us. That does not strengthen us. That makes us weak, uh, both from a psychological point of view and maybe even from a physical point of view. We, I've never met someone who's in judgment that really feels good. You know, if you're sitting with your friends gossiping, well, we're not sitting with our friends now, but <laughs> gossiping with people, uh, in the moment, it's sort of you sort of feel that feels good. But I'm sure most people have had the experience that after the fact, you really feel quite horrible. It is not an empowering move. So compassion, empathy, consideration and kindness are things that go a long way. It's a win for you. I mean, ultimately, we choose ourselves. It's a win for you. And I think we need to remember truly that we are all in this together and all suffering to some degree. And those who maybe are suffering less need to reach out to those who are suffering more. And that's That's what it means to be a true community and like we've had some incredible examples on this show of some of our listeners who have done wonderful things for them. It wasn't so, it's not that it was so wonderful. It was just a compassionate thing to do to visit an elderly person, to take them in, to, to go and do groceries for someone to just reach out and ask, do you need anything? Could I help you with anything? Uh, and being available to whatever degree is, is allowed or, or can be done or, or what have you. So we mustn't forget that, that we are a community. It's not just for yourself. Like it, this is a, you have to look at the larger picture. And to me, I don't know, life has so much more meaning <laughs> when you can spread the love, you know, when, when that compassion is there and the help is there and, and doing doing for others, doing for so others true. simply, right? I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it, Lori, is that, you know, I operate from a belief that we are all in this together, whether it's destigmatizing mental health, whether it's whatever it is. And, uh, and I got my first real snapshot of how not in this we are together. And I hope this show will open people's minds and, you know, really have people think differently about, you know, while so many people are afraid to get COVID, think about the people who have it, who are also afraid and not only afraid of the physical part of it, but afraid of the emotional, further emotional isolation past quarantine Yeah, and, um, and really, really encourage you to practice that empathy. And, and the physical isolation that people experience because of the, let's say you are hospitalized. I know somebody right now in the hospital, nobody can visit. No family members can visit. I can only, my heart breaks for the person that's sitting in that bed, Mm. lying in that bed day in and day out, not knowing and having the, a nurse coming in and out and that's it. They have no contact with their family members. They are scared. They don't know what's happening. And, you know, especially for people who are older. So it is, it's, 
it's a devastating and please i want people to f- feel for just have that empathy feel for those people uh yeah. and and reach out to those that you uh that you can help Oh, it's always tough when we talk about all of this, but it needs to be said, and uh, that's the reality. Uh, Sandra Reich, uh, where can people reach you? In Montreal. <laughs> yeah, in Montreal, 514-777-4530, or our website, helpforanxietydepression.com. Sandra, thank you. Sandra Reich, thank you very much, and uh, we will you, uh, catch up with you very, uh, very soon. Sandra Lax for Out of Toronto, trauma therapist. Sandra, where can people find you? Yeah, people can find me really easily at uh, www.sandralax.com. That's uh, L-A-X, like the airport. And, uh, and yeah, you can okay. uh, find and reach me there. All right, no more going to airports for a while, okay? <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not going to airport uh, for a while. Ladies, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. All right, do you take care. Thank you to all for listening to the show and for sending in your texts. It's so appreciated. Thank you to Dave Simon, our technical producer. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you can find the podcast of past shows as well as this one. Just go to the Passion Radio tab on the website or you if you have the iheart app then you just uh, find our page the cjd page and you will find me there coming up next here on cjd we bring you the ctv national news have a great rest of the evening stay safe and remember to live your life with passion